yeah so let's just finish the intro you know like ha ha joke welcome to the tuesday wine club music 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 you know like whatever introduction da 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 welcome to the episode yeah you know we're recording right <laughs> yeah but like okay <laughs> you know like i guess <laughs> music 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 it's not the music hi this is sam and this is veer Welcome to the Tuesday Wine Club where we chat with experts from a variety of disciplines to talk about their experiences and joke about lessons learned over a glass of wine or two maybe three how about four okay no we have to stop somewhere maybe five but we stop at five <laughs> in other episodes you can also find us discussing pop culture moments like the latest Taylor Swift album Sam which latest Taylor Swift album I mean I'm deciding between Fearless Taylor Swift's version or like I'm still on Evermore but I mean there's so many wait but first ask yourself have you ever wanted to work in creative industries but don't know how to get started Do you like to listen to any in conversations about pop culture or do you just want an excuse to drink a glass of wine I mean that's why I'm here <laughs> If so this is the podcast for you In each chapter Yes we like to call them chapters not episodes where pretentious We talk to people who are killing it in their respective industries from fashion and design to journalism, activism and so much more. Additionally, we speak to some friends with clout who we've low-key forced into recording with us. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, definitely hit subscribe and join us every week for a new session of the Tuesday Wine Club. Because Tuesday is just not too early for a glass of wine. Truer words have never been spoken. Uh Welcome to the Tuesday Wine Club. Hi Sam. Hi Veer. You seem very excited today. I am so pumped for this episode. I've been preparing for weeks. You've been preparing since March, ma'am. Yeah, but where's the lie? It's it's June. It's June. Oh, I have so much information for this episode. I've been like like I've had times where you know when you think of things when you're in the shower right yes so when like i think of things i literally and this is not tmi because like i swear it's not graphic i mean why would i do that to myself get to But the point i've literally like run out of the shower found my phone on the counter and like jotted down notes of what i want to say and then gone back in like wash my hair and stuff <laughs> just keep casual fun casual you're not you're not a workaholic not at all it's not about workaholic it's about my dedication to this craft Fuck off! <laughs> Dedication oh. to the craft. Okay. Anyway, as is abundantly clear by the title of this episode, a certain anniversary is upon us, and yes, it we is. just we couldn't not address it. Um, I feel like it would be criminal for me with my personal brand and you with your personal brand for us to yeah, not address it. Yeah, also the fact that you we know when we. conceptualize this podcast i'm like i feel i love how i'm like telling you this like you weren't there but um when we conceptualized this podcast we knew we were going to do an episode on the devil wears prada and then oh, shortly 100%. after you were like oh but the 15 year anniversary is coming up and i mean just it's great we're super excited i just okay like to start us off tell me why this movie is so important to you i think for me because it was one of the first fashion movies i watched yeah. and of course the first one of course you know like you end up watching the september issue and all but this was the first movie which kind of gave me an insight into oh there is fashion beyond design yeah actually i actually no wait if i'm going 
if i'm thinking really hard about it i watched the september issue after this yeah because this came out when we were 10 so okay so i don't remember the order but definitely one of the first fashion movies i watched like yeah. a documentary let's go with a movie and it's so inspiring uh, because so from a very early age i knew i wanted to work in fashion in some shape or form but this movie actually put it for me visually yeah and then you know there was enough there was stuff with the clothes and there were like they were going to events and they were organizing things and like yeah you saw the work part as well and it was so inspiring it still is like there are times when i'm when i'm kind of at a dead end with my work and it's yeah. not nothing is kind of inspiring me like i feel like oh my god what am i doing this is the movie i literally sit and watch till 3 a.m i know every line backwards yeah forwards. same this is it just, just it's just that headspace. comfort movie right absolutely but why is it such an important movie for you dear you know i still remember when it came out i like obviously we were in class 5 10 years old um and i just remember like so obviously at that age especially here like you don't know too much about fashion right or about the industry and like as someone just sort of growing up as a child but like let's say i knew the word prada yeah right and i knew that the word prada was associated with fashion and i knew that fashion was again something that i was so drawn to at the time of course i wanted to like whatever like you know how you just throw at kids like oh you want to be a fashion designer i was like yeah cool i want to be a fashion designer yeah whatever and i remember a friend of my mom's had gone to watch it and in the newspaper you know how like it used to come with like a whether yeah. it's rated u u a a and this movie was rated a and which meant that i couldn't go watch it and um, so my mom's friend had gone to watch it and and i was like oh but i really want to watch it oh but i really want to watch it and like there was this D- dvd guy who used to pirate movies that you could buy the dvds from <laughs> yeah. and he had it and um, and my mom said okay like let me let me ask her if um, it's appropriate if it's appropriate and i like me and my like spoiled brat 10 year old self went on this tirade being like oh no she won't say, she won't say it's appropriate to watch whatever whatever to such a this woman yeah yeah i hate this woman <laughs> and then when we actually got the review from her this woman was like oh we will love it it's all about fashion and i was just like oh <laughs> uh, i need to I like, take, take my words back <laughs> <laughs> sorry no, auntie but, that happened in a bit of a fit of rage yeah <laughs> <laughs> but also yeah no it's it's very similar to what you're saying because even now i feel like it's really one of the only movies that we have that is so centered in the fashion industry is it the most accurate representation yes and no and we can get into that yeah we will but, get into that for sure but one thing i do want to say because you and i have discussed this in the past about other things sex in the city for example hasn't stood the test of time as well Yeah. You know, but this movie, yes, you're right that it has it's not everything is an accurate and it has a lot of flaws which we will go through. We'll go through the pros and the cons, but I know if it's put in today's world, it would still fit. It would yeah, it was it will hold up in for sure, but also the thing is that this movie came out 15 years ago. In 15 years, I feel still so ha- old by the way. We still haven't had another like fashion movie in this in this genre come up i mean the bold type tried very no, but that's hard, a, but it's a tv show it's a, it's much easier to tell the story like i'm talking just like like because i did like the the ws prada is not a rom-com but no, i feel like it not. it fills that same void that you crave when you want to watch a rom-com it's just that sort of movie i ha- i don't think there's been anything like this that's so centered around the fashion industry and 
let's say a semi-realistic portrayal of it yeah. where they've done some research about what fashion is actually like mm. what working in fashion is actually like versus like there being a b-plot side character who like is the fabulous gal that works in fashion yeah and obviously i think okay this next question i feel like it's been discussed to death but mm-hmm. it is i think one of the more interesting things that's come up on the internet about this movie over the last like say five six seven years yeah who according to you is the real villain in the film um okay just for some context we are recording this at the time when they've the cast have done a reunion kind of episode with the cast is under the union yeah. there was a whole very famous clubhouse discussion on it if you're if you're indian and on clubhouse you'll probably know what what we addressed also aging renier who plays nate has very openly said nate was the real villain of this movie <laughs> but I would say it wasn't just Nate obviously because so okay for long story short for me it's her friends every mm-hmm. and it's her friends and of course not everybody in this movie is you know like completely pure everybody's got their yeah. faults but I feel like it's her friends because like Lily for example is so thrilled when she gets those that Mark Jacobs bag she gets all that yeah. like Sephora stuff she gets a bag and all of some phone and then like three few scenes later when Andy when Kristen like literally kisses Andy on her cheek okay mm-hmm. and i get it in the context that you look at it it does seem a little like oh cheeky whatever and lily just says i don't understand this glamour on the kind of andy mm. i know you know um wears like sweaters from the gap or whatever i'm like you're being so hypocritical you you're enjoying the perks of her job but you don't want her to enjoy the perks of her job but i'm not saying one second and i have another point which i've been which is in, been in my notes since like november okay okay and uh, okay maybe not november because we're not there yet <laughs> it's been in my notes for a very long time if my boyfriend asked me if i got a job at a fashion magazine through a phone interview because of the way i dress i'm leaving him <laughs> I'm leaving him <laughs> so fast his head would spin but no so i i fully agree with you i don't i i think obviously it is the popular opinion to cast nate as the villain yeah and i think by by all accounts nate is the villain mm-hmm. like let's i like i'm not a nate apologist and i will never be you you <laughs> that being said i understand her friends and i also do not understand her friends for two reasons. Yeah. I understand I mean for for reasons alone. I I understand them because it is obviously strange to see someone who you thought you knew really well hmm. say vi- not only shift personality wise which I don't think Andy did too much but also shift visually to such an extent in such a short period of time hmm. and to to sort of still feel that oh like maybe we're not so important to her anymore or maybe her priorities have shifted whatever. And the thing is I think that's these people are right out of college when this like yeah. within the story yeah. right yeah. that happens at that age mm-hmm. where people's priorities do shift as they start working mm-hmm. people like you know you life just goes on but on the other hand you're right out of college these are all of your first jobs lily at this gallery mm-hmm. nate at this restaurant um <laughs> dug <laughs> as a corporate research analyst oh and okay finish that finish that thought then i have to tell you something and andy adran way right Yours like what twenty one twenty two year olds in New York right out of college. I'm sorry. Do you think your jobs are going to be glamorous? Like I would love them. I lo- I would love for them to not be so grueling and to not yeah. be so. You need to pay your dues, etc., etc. But unfortunately, that's at this this point of time. That's how the capitalist framework of things works. Yeah. 
how can you not expect Andy to be working all the time? How can you not expect Andy to place her job first? She's trying to build her career. She's not a an accomplished journalist as yet. She's literally just gotten out of Northwestern. Hmm. If she, she's not going to put in the work, the foundational work now, and if the, and if that means doing this job and hmm. working at it, and also over time getting good at it and adapting yeah. to her surroundings. Not a bad thing. I think it's really... So it's a double-edged sword because I I understand where they're coming from, but also they have no business acting the way that they act. Absolutely agree. In fact, um, I found the original, original screenplay for this movie completely... The one gave- that they discussed in the, um, uh, in the reunion. So I can't remember if it's the exact one from the reunion, but I found one that was written on March 10th, 2005. Sort of revised. Oh, so not that one. No, I don't think it was the one that they were showing. Because I think they said 2002 or something. Yeah, so this was a 2005 one. The screenplay is by Peter Hedges. Yeah, Hedges. And it's been revised a few times by different people. What I've done is, and you would have seen on Instagram today, or well, at the time of... You would have seen it over the weekend. Um, (laughs) I went through the screenplay literally page by page and just highlighted so many moments that different characters had. So one of the things when you said about Doug having his dream job, which (laughs) absolutely horrified me, was... I have a couple of friends who are corporate research analysts and they're just really unhappy. Basically, so you know the part in the movie where she basically said, you know, she finishes her interview with Miranda, she gets the job, and then she goes and she tells her friends that, oh, I got the job, and there is a restaurant with um, Nate and Doug and Lily, etc. And... Doug the says, jobs that pay the bills. Yeah, no, no, before that. Doug says, oh, luckily I already have my dream job. And Lily says, but you're yeah. a corporate research analyst. And they yeah, laugh yeah, it yeah. off, right? But in the original script, it was meant to say, Doug says, luckily I already have my dream job. Lily goes, you're a corporate research analyst. And Doug interrupts her and says, which totally rocks. Best things are the free bagels on Thursday and the horse. <gasps> and they all look at him. And Doug continues, okay, so there are no bagels pauses and only a couple whores oh my god are you serious were you actually going to put that in the movie this is also like such classic sort of early 2000s misogynistic storytelling also like i also have a really big issue with when when andy says how did how is it that you know who she is and i don't and he says oh well i'm actually a girl and i like i'm just like that it's worse in this screenplay it's so much worse you don't want to know Okay, yeah, let's not. I'm not we, tell you. I also don't want to but add like a trigger one into this episode. Absolutely but, not. But but yeah, some parts of the script that just haven't aged well at yeah, all. Some parts have not. Absolutely not. But it's so it's so sort of magical for me. Yeah. To see the difference between the original screenplay versus what yeah. actually ended up playing out on screen. So I will pepper that information yeah, yeah, across yeah, sure. the podcast. I'm currently looking at a hundred and seventeen page long. Hmm. manuscript on my desk annotated with little sticky flags in different colors is it the unreleased harry potter book it might be better (laughs) (laughs) and it has um it's all multicolored and so organized but also i think this is the rare example of a movie where the movie is infinitely better than the book oh hundred percent also, because I feel like the book was like a thinly veiled, not so subtle attack on Anna Wintour. It was. Like, there's no yeah, two ways about it. I th- but I think it's like, and we'll get we'll get to this even uh, even more later, but I think it's like, it's 
Meryl Streep's performance hmm. that adds the sort of layers of complexity to Miranda that we're still yeah. discussing today. But yeah, no, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking we could get into talking about our three favorite main characters one by one. Starting with Andy, I have a couple of bones to pick. Number one, she is a journalist mm-hmm. by training, right? Mm-hmm. That's how. That's what we know of her, editor right. of the Daily Northwestern, whatever, whatever. Uh-huh. Bitch, how did you not research where you were interviewing before yeah. you showed up to an interview? As a journalist, how on earth yeah. do you not research who the editor of the magazine is if you're going to interview yeah, at the magazine. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, I do agree. It's a basic requirement. That's my bone no. to pick okay, number fine. one. I'll, I'll even give her the benefit of doubt because her interview starts with Elias Clark, right? And then goes no, on that, to whatever, whatever. That doesn't but, matter. That no, doesn't exactly. matter. It doesn't matter. If you know it's with a publishing house and they have different magazines, at least look up which ones they are, who are the editors... What and also, it do? was between this and like auto something, no, auto so universe that, or something. Even right? in the book, she finds out once she goes there for her first appointment, and Sherry at Human Resources tells her these are your two options: take it or leave it. She's a journalist. She could yeah. have picked up the issue in the lobby. That's very true. That's very like, true. And just be like, okay, cool. Then that. I don't understand how someone who researches for the living yeah. shows up for an interview this ill prepared. I'm assuming, and this is, oh my god, we're going into this as though this actually happened, but yes, when you're waiting in a lobby, or even if you just walk down to like a stand, just walk outside to the nearest newspaper stand and just be like, hey, show me the latest copy of Runway. Yeah, like do it when you fucking bought your onion bagel. (laughs) Anyway, um, okay, so that's number one. Number two is, you know how Andy, like us, like, so Emily explains the book to Andy. And says that I will do it until Miranda decides they're not a total psycho. Mm -hmm. Again, this girl went to study journalism in college. Mm. Was she not taught the basics of print media production as a journalism major? So I know this is a little bit off character in the sense that we haven't reached this woman's character yet. But in the original script, uh, when Emily describes the book to Andy, Mm. she shows Andy a large wire-bound collection of pages as big as a phone book. Emily opens it and leaves through it, and she says, the book is the Bible, the current issue in its latest form. Miranda needs to approve every single thing in the magazine yeah. so she edits it at night. The book is the most important thing you will touch in your whole life, including your newborn children and eventually the face of God. <laughs> and I'm just like, Emily Blunt would have delivered this line I know. with such grace. I, I, I feel bad if they cut it out. But okay, like th- this is this is I feel like a a journalism me- a training basic move. Yeah. Like even as the editor of the Daily Northwestern, did you never take a proof? Did yeah, you ever print out yeah, a proof? Proof copies, yeah. So don't be stupid, Andy. And okay, so that's number that's number two. Number three is also guys. One second, I have to say this: we also do like the characters, but because yeah, we are no, being but- so critical, so that we can go through the good stuff further down the line. <laughs> But, and also, just, okay, this isn't an Andy thing as much as it's a casting director who cast Anne Hathaway and things thing. Mm-hmm. Can we stop trying to be convinced that this girl is ugly? <laughs> this girl is not ugly by any means She's from Princess any angles. Diaries, Devil Wears Prada. Like, get, I, I'm sorry, I don't buy that Annie Hathaway is ugly. Honestly, in that, have, did you see her in that 15 year, did you see her in that 15 year reunion? That woman looked oh like God. a fox. I'm sorry, she was so gorgeous. She showed up in the last uh, season of Drag Race and I was like, 
you you she's just you can't look away from her yeah okay anyway andy you're go forth i've aired out my grievances so the this is really funny my mom was listening because the other day i say the other day i mean like last month um i decided to watch the movie while i was exercising and like while i'm exercising okay, i'm like fueled by this rage because the exact same reasons you're talking about how how have you not researched this job mm. how have and you know how is it that in if you're key, if you know that okay you want you know what i have to put in a year here and then i get to like move on to better things and Why? if it's between this and auto universe clearly this yeah. is the better option for you and i was losing my mind okay i just literally walked into the kitchen and just ranted to my mother for 15 minutes because I, who was just making breakfast for no fault of her own was just making <laughs> breakfast and i'm yelling okay in my like living room and i'm just like oh my god and i get it that this is her first job but like you know learn on the job like you have to show some initiative and some compassion and la 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 and i'm losing it okay and as though she's my intern as though she's my yeah. intern who's not doing any work and then by the end of it i'm like i should save this for the podcast what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> but Andy for me is she has pros and she has cons. The pros yeah. which I have honestly the screenplay has opened my eyes to so much more because in the screenplay there are moments where you've you understood know, she, the characters as they were being planned. You exactly. And like there are the so the moment where she goes up to Nigel and she's like oh my god I hate my job, she hates me. What am I going to do? And but while they're talking about like before the makeover happens he tells her he said you don't even read runway. Yeah. You're not putting in any effort. Why do you expect her to give it back to you? Yeah. And after that makeover is the scene where she kind of goes and she meets her friends and that bar and everything, and she starts telling them that you know, it's not just about fashion. Yeah, yeah, are, yeah. When she's leafing through the yeah, and Nate tells her, "Oh, you're drinking the Kool Aid, etc." So you can see that subtle <sighs> switch in her, and she's where she's like, she's actually taken an interest. She started yeah. to like look up the magazine, and even later in the and that's also how you get good at your job, right? Absolutely. You adapt to your surroundings. You take initiative. Absolutely. So in the screenplay, funnily enough, they act they actually take you through where like a daily routine, right? Like so, she answers the phone, she like types out a message, she you know unpacks an accessory, whatever. In the screenplay, they're actually showing her get better at that every few yeah. like chapters or whatever it is. There's one point where. She's multitasking. She's like, so you know the first like just to compare the first scene where Miranda tells her I need girls from Calvin Klein, <laughs> in in the screenplay with Ralph Lauren. Few like you know moments later in the maybe in the like halfway through the movie, halfway through the screenplay, they they've kind of set up a scene where Andy's, you know, in a showroom and she's flicking through the skirts. Yeah. making a selection and rejecting things because she already knows what Miranda likes. She's yeah. learning on the job. She's getting better at it. And I'm so sad they didn't show that in the movie because you know for someone who's think about it if 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 I watched this when I was 13, this would be so inspiring to see, you know what? Yeah. Someone started at a job they were shit at and then they got better because they learned and, they know, invested honestly, themselves. Honestly, now that you said if you were watching this when you were 13, I feel like adding certain details like subtle details like this in would have also made the the viewing experience maybe slightly more positive in hindsight in that sense in and, that sense yeah and because the and the only reason i'm saying this is 
because this movie is also very body shamey and i feel like that you can't look away from it i didn't want to talk about that in the thing because, because there's like, so much like about like nigel that nigel's such a beloved character i yeah. love nigel but he spends half the movie just body shaming andy yeah it's a lot With, worse whether in the it's, screenplay it's a lot worse yeah what yeah whether it's the clam chowder or emily on her like terrible diet no and the sad thing is you and i both worked in some form in the fashion industry in some yeah. facet of it you've worked literally in media we hmm. know it's not like that not everyone is like that people are inclusive of different bodies and what people wear and what they don't so you know just for someone if if someone who's listening doesn't work in fashion and my issue my issue with this is i don't and as much as i wouldn't change the movie for anything it's literally shaped Who I yeah. am, what I do. No, I think the, all of this critique that you are giving it is also like reflective, right? And it's, it's the reflective. critiques also grown as we've grown. Absolutely, and this like I don't want anybody to assume this is like this like take this in black and white that this is what the fashion industry is because the fashion industry for both of us or any creative industry, let's go with that, has been so warm and welcoming. I've met the nicest people. My managers have no so okay. We've had mixed experiences, but I've touched wood. I've been grateful to have some great ones. Like we were, we I know we started, you know, with talking about Andy, but I kind of have to say this. But it's not everybody's not horrible. Everybody won't be like picking on you for your waist size, and like Andy, people aren't all sort of smirky or like snarky about like oh my god, what is this industry? Because it, I've seen interns come in, change their attitude once they realize oh yeah, there is something interesting here. To that, I would say yes or no. But then to that, I would also say I feel like that yes and no exists in every industry. It's not just fashion. I think fashion just gets the bad rap. That being said, it's also I think important to sort of note the cultural context in which this movie is placed. So, in two thousand and six, I think magazines were sort of at their, especially American magazines, uh-huh. were at the tail end of their boom because it all crashed in two thousand eight, right? Yeah. So. This is when magazine opulence actually was a thing, and this whole thing of like taking town cars, the assistant taking taking a town car to go pick something up, etc., yeah. etc. Like, yeah, magazines had that kind of money, and they had that kind of power and influence, and all of that crashed in two thousand and eight, and and also as the internet started to rise and became more democratic. But this movie, I think, is really I wouldn't even say it's at the peak of what the fashion magazine was. It's It's on the come down from the peak, but it's very much still the most important influence within fashion media. You know the the fact that you said how fashion had such ha- did have an influence at the time. There is a very iconic scene. I mean, I call it iconic now that I've read it. But there is a very nice moment in the in the screenplay where Miranda makes us so you know the part where Miranda Nigel her entire team and the everybody goes to James Holt's studio yeah. to kind of do the in the screenplay it's literally Miranda telling Andy can you pull up these five issues yeah. of the magazine for me and then come with me they literally make a surprise appearance at his studio ooh and in the whole screenplay the whole sort of background is that Miranda kind of put James Holt on the map and you know mm. that's why she reviews all these collections because it's also her reputation on the line because she's kind of taken up for him she you know kind of goes through the ske- she's gone through the sketches he's already sent her and she walks around looking at all the pieces on the mannequins and it's just like a mix of unfinished items yeah and she says 
um and you know james is trying to explain the thing to her that you know i'm trying to capture the intersection of east meets west Ugh. and like um, the modern woman as geisha meets rock star with little desperate husband not appropriate and miranda at all, just but stops okay, james. and miranda is just like what the fuck does he say that <laughs> but what she does says so he says you know but obviously the collection is still a work in progress and she says actually no it isn't my love <laughs> and he looks at her like what and he says <laughs> You are not going to produce this line. If you do, I will not put any of it in the magazine. Nor will you get any department store orders. And he, you know, James is like, Miranda, I know the collection is edgy. She's like, I'm looking through the pieces, thinking kimonos, motorcycle jackets, gingham. Most of it, I don't get at all. What I do get, I don't like. I cannot let you do this to yourself or to me. My reputation is on the line too. You know, I'm glad that they removed this. Oh, hang on, it gets, it goes into this. I gave you editorial coverage before anyone else. I made people take notice of you. I was the only editor in the front row of your first show in that warehouse at the pier, in the front row, clapping. I remember every piece of that first collection: the oing of the chiffon, the vibrance of the embroidery. September nineteen ninety-seven, you revolutionized the hemline. March nineteen ninety-eight, you bring back the femininity out of that horrible monk face. June two thousand, you are the first one to do watercolor florals, and February two thousand two, you radically rethink the empire waist. You don't just dress a woman. You embrace her, give her the love, and she that she might get that she might never get from a real man. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you make a woman feel powerful, special, beautiful, even if she is none of those things. Her first day on the job, her wedding, her first date. You are there for all the important moments of her woman of a woman's life. This is what you were put on this planet to do. This, she gestures to the collection, is just plain bad. <laughs> burn it! <laughs> burn it! Think of something else. I know it'll be divine, and she walks out. As much as I cannot see Meryl Streep delivering this dialogue, I mean, I, Meryl Streep can deliver anything. Let's yeah, but Meryl Streep see. wouldn't say it like this. But yeah, but I love also, this moment. You know why? Exactly why you said it. Exactly why you said it. That magazines did matter. It yeah, mattered what people did because of how it would show up in a magazine. And I'm so pissed. This this like. wasn't there in But some I'm, shape or form I I'm I'm actually really happy it wasn't there I mean in the sense that obviously I feel like this speech would have been I just feel I need a sitcom version of this movie But yeah but that being said I think the also the reason that they removed it is to preserve that mystique with Miranda right because yeah. they don't really talk about they don't show she doesn't show vulnerability towards till towards the end of the movie you're not I mean I I don't think they were looking to humanize her so yeah. early and this and the speech humanizes her clearly we're going we're, it's established that we're going to go into like a bunch of tangents before we move on one that last thing that i want to note about andy is i love how patricia feels in her costume design means sure that even in the early looks in the ugly sweater looks that montage of ugly sweaters when when miranda's dumping her jackets and stuff on yeah. on andy's desk all the outfits that we see it they all show that andy always had potential the outfits just didn't work because of things like sizing things like picking the wrong shade of blue yeah. for example the long the wrong length of skirt that being said andy if you look at the costume design andy always had potential to be fashion forward and i all a lot of this information is coming from the modern girls video on youtube about mm. uh, which is a costume design deconstruction of mm. devil's pride and i really recommend everyone mm. listening to this checks it out but moving on let's talk about my favorite 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 <laughs> character in the world emily, emily charlton <laughs> and the reason i say this is because this is something that i i've been saying for the past few years the older i get 
the more adult i become as we're sort yeah. of going into our 20s is the more i start relating to emily as a person i think the, like the the more distance that is placed between me and this movie the more i i understand emily and Absolutely. empathize with emily because she's just badass you know it's so funny when i saw the movie initially i was like oh my god emily's being so mean yeah and i think I'm everyone like, did one second yeah you know like you said put yourself in her shoes now you're like if somebody came up to me who didn't care about their job i would literally be like honestly you know what if you mess up i get put on the line so like i'm not dealing with your shit so and yeah, and i've worked too hard for you to jeopardize this absolutely. for me absolutely absolutely and you know i i will keep going back to the screenplay because i do want to kind of show both sides of the story in some parts they made emily so like you know like she's so mesmerized by this whole industry and she thinks like it's you know ab- so much above god and stuff in this like she even the way she talks about paris you know she's just like dramatizing idealizing yeah i get to go to paris paris is fabulous you wear couture you meet all the designers it's divine and this time and so in the screen page she says and this time that person is me and i'm like please emily blunt <laughs> don't even need to say that line she's just that iconic but like i mean sort of you know more on in the i think that's the why they cut a lot out of the original screenplay yeah, right? because also i think as the actors came in yeah um they realized how much can be said in the unsaid mm-hmm. especially when you have actors like say an emily blunt or a meryl streep yeah and emily for that matter we think about it and like i know you'd agree with this She's just someone who likes her job. She's just someone who likes the industry she's and in. And she she's might not even like her job, but she it. loves fashion. Yeah, she's allowed to be passionate about it. And even if and forget if it doesn't make sense to anybody else, she doesn't have to be ridiculed for what she likes or what she's mm-hmm. interested in. That's what like kind of irked me because I was just like, we've all. I mean, okay, I know pe- enough people who've been there. I've been there when I've had to yeah. justify to people why I want to study fashion. Let me ask you one thing, and this is just something that I've generally been thinking about. Um, where do you think, where do you think Emily is doing now? What do you think she's doing right now? I think in an ideal situation, Emily is best friends with us, and we work with her. But in like hypothetical, Emily won't give us the time of day. <laughs> um, in like a in an alternate universe, I think Emily would have worked her way up the ladder. She mm-hmm. might have Nigel's job. She might work with Nigel. She might work in a completely different department. But I feel like she would still very much be connected to Miranda. No, definitely. You know what? You never know. She might mentor Miranda's new assistants. Ah, uh, so I would say because, like, let's say hypothetically, it's been fifteen years. So let's assuming Emily was twenty three to twenty five at the time, because I work with the assumption that she was slightly older than Andy, so maybe a couple years into it than Andy yeah. was. Now I think Emily. Probably like maybe was offered Nigel's job, but at that point, maybe no, because we don't know what Emily's goals were. Yeah. In the sense that we don't know Which whether she... she wants to work in fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely within fashion, but I I wouldn't say she wanted to be a stylist, mm-hmm. for example, the way that Nigel is. No, but Nigel's not a stylist; it's a fashion director. I mean, a fashion director is a very experienced stylist, creative director, everything, right? I would assume that Emily is so you know how Miranda with like the early James Holt collections, mm-hmm. etc. 
and again, this is like a working assumption. Mm-hmm. So she she mentors designers, right? She brings not just designers, photographers, creatives, yeah. which is that list that she gives at the end of the movie. Yeah. People that she has nurtured, people that have worked with her. I feel like Emily will be a fashion consultant mm-hmm. for designers in this in the way where when designers are creating their collections, she is the editorial voice that steps in and says, yeah. "No, remove that." Because that won't work in something like runway. Mm. That won't sell to this particular person. Do you think she would go that extra mile and like then mentor younger designers? Exactly. Like she would tap into that audience. And also as hard as Emily is on the exterior, I think mm. she is much softer on the inside. And I think Emily would put, would put a lot of time into nurturing these designers and nurturing yeah. young voices. And she will... B say like we're gonna go on to talk a lot about Miranda and a lot about how much we love her and stuff, but she won't treat people the way Miranda treats her, despite yeah. her respect yeah. for Miranda, hundred percent, and her idolization of Miranda. But speaking of Emily, um, what is one of your favorite Emily lines from the movie? I think my favorite would be the one where she says, "I refuse to be sick. I'm wearing Valentino for climb out loud." <laughs> I just, I think first off, like, it's the first one as well, right? It's just human resources certainly has an odd sense of humor. <laughs> and there's that, and there's one that I know you love, which is a, I rarely say this to people who aren't me. But you've got to calm down. Got to calm down. <laughs> and okay, like, okay, so this is something that I've said for the longest time. You're always the Andy in Devil Wears Prada till you're an adult, and then you're the Emily. You know what the funny thing is? I always say Veer and Veer is the Emily to my Andy because <laughs> he's got one line of like. Oh. But this is this is true though. That is our relationship though. Yeah, like personality wise, not journey wise. Emily Charlton can run me over with a fucking truck. She could stomp on my face with Christian Louboutins, and I would say thank you. You don't have to be so extreme. You can be nice to her, and she can be nice to you. Okay. Emily is not nice to anyone, and that's neither am I. What's yeah, your point? Maybe she, maybe she might be nice to us. Can you tell that I'm a stan of like several Emily things? Stan. Emily, Emily Charlton Stan. stan. Mm. Okay, let's talk. Oh my god, should I make that my Instagram? Bio? No, no. Okay, let's get to the iconic woman herself, Miranda Priestley. Okay, honestly, what is there to say about Miranda? Because that hasn't already been said. That hasn't already been said, and I feel like you and I would record this entire podcast, edit it publish it, whatever, and then we'll probably think of things like, oh, fuck, we should have said that. Because yeah. I don't think you can say enough. Yeah. And I think so much of that is due to Meryl Streep's performance. Like, which which also loops me back to what you were saying earlier when the sort of scene between Miranda and James Holt. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I think they cut that out is because it humanized Miranda too early. And that being said, would I love Miranda to be humanized more Yes, but in the sense that I want to know what her life is actually like. Yeah, I want to know more about her. I want a movie made, like I want a biopic made on Miranda, you know? And we want Meryl Streep to play. And we want Meryl Streep, yeah, like where's Miranda 15 years from now? Like Meryl, do it. Apni Meryl? Apni But Actually, one second, while we're still talking about Meryl kind of creating Miranda as a character and creating that whole multiverse, or sorry, or sorry universe in her head. Can you tell of, Sam saw Loki recently? 
Yeah, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> damn confusing, but I can't take my eyes off of Tom Hiddleston, so I keep watching. Um, I'm only on episode two, but it has been divine to watch Tom Hiddleston as BB Cooper. Anyway, but coming back to Meryl Streep, <laughs> and she's spoken about this in interviews and stuff, right? That how she didn't make Miranda scream, shout, yell, throw things, yeah. right? Because instantly, then it kind of makes her the hysterical woman at work. She becomes the hysterical woman in the workplace. Yeah. This might sound cliche and whatever, but if a man was to do this, you know, he's just, you know, a powerful man and, you know, he just, he's really passionate about his job and yeah. he wants things done right. And I'm just... If she did it, she in. would be a bitch, not a baller. In the words of Taylor Swift. bitch, not a baller. <laughs> it's also in that, it's in that dialogue, right? It's in the, oh, there you are, Emily. How many times do I have to scream your name? And literally, she has not raised her voice even enough to it be heard for it to be outside her door. But what I love about Miranda is the fact that she has clearly worked so, so, so hard to be where she is. Yeah. To the point where, like the scene where she's dumping her quotes onto onto Andy's desk. Yeah. It is very much, I don't have the time to hang up my coat because I'm running this magazine. I have these 60,000 other things to do. Yeah. Whether that, of course, comes out comedically in the, where's that piece of paper that I had in my hand? <laughs> Yesterday I'm or on whatever. I table at that restaurant I went to with Massimo last week. Yeah. <laughs> no, and the and my best, my favorite. Do, one. do we have Demarchelier? No, I need skirts from Calvin Klein. Calvin and Klein. Emily's just like, don't bore me with. Say, did you say? Did you say what kind? Did, did you? Oh, you may never, never ask, ask Miranda, Miranda anything. Can you tell whether people who like know this movie by like? Hard. You know, I've done it once when my mom was watching the movie, and I my mom hates was, watching this movie with me. Yeah, so I was so I turned away from the screen and I continued to recite the dialogues, and she was just yeah. looking at me in horror, like what kind of demon is inside you that <laughs> that you can do this? Also, it's just Miranda is also someone who clearly has nurtured careers, right? She is not only has she worked hard for herself, she has brought several people up with her, despite her nature, and we'll get into that. Hmm. But you can't deny the fact that this woman knows what she is worth. This woman knows, she just, she just knows what her job is, and she's there for the reason, and it comes out in the, in the, in her whole move with Nigel and Jacqueline Foley and, um, yeah. and James Holt. She knows that no one can do the job better than she can. That being, that, and also, that fashion is a very ageist industry and mm. a wo- and, and, and like quote unquote aging woman could not possibly deliver the same product that say someone younger, more enthusiastic could. No, and I'm pretty sure like we didn't have discussed this away from the podcast as well that, you know, this is, this probably wasn't the first time Miranda was pushed out or yeah. attempted to be pushed out of the magazine. So she's obviously had that... Whether that's this plan. magazine or whatever job she might have had before this magazine. No, I'm talking specifically about this magazine because she's been at this magazine hmm. for how many of a year, so she's probably aged with it. But, yeah. you know, I'm so sure she wouldn't have this... Con- she would have had this contingen- contingency plan in her back pocket for the longest time. Because she knew this was coming. She's a smart woman. She knows there will be a time where they will intend to push me out again. Or they already have, and this is her yeah. sort of like an updated list of like. Oh, and she knows 15, that Jacqueline would have leaped at that opportunity, as Miranda says herself. But I think also a lot is in how nuanced Meryl's portrayal is of her. Mm-hmm. And I always think about, and again, I, I I said right that had they used the dialogue that you had spoken about earlier, it would have humanized her too early. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. The point in the movie that humanizes her is when she starts talking, uh, when she starts talking about how her husband wants to divorce her. Mm. And she says, well, whatever. She makes it abundantly clear that her career is above her marriage. And that's fine. That's number one. That's perfectly fine because she works very, very, very hard. And she is, she's where she is for the reason. But above all of that, she's also a mom because the first thing she says is, but I can't stop thinking about the girls another father figure yeah above all of that she is also just a dedicated person to the people who she cares about to the people in her personal life that we might not know about but all in all i think she is she is a leader and and that shows despite let's say her practices of emotional abuse in the workplace which also can't be ignored and that's why i love this movie because all the characters are also very flawed yeah, no one. We like them. We like them, but we love them, but we don't like them. And I think for me, that's Emily, Andy, and Miranda. Although I feel like I would weather Miranda as a boss because I would think of a bigger picture. But would exactly, I like it? No. which is just just what I was getting to is that at the end of the day, if you look at Andy's arc, if you look at how how she adapts to fashion, how she looks adapts to look at Runaway as a magazine, as a piece of journalism, Mm -hmm. at pieces of journalism rather. It's all because Miranda is a fantastic leader who knows what she's doing. I have to say one thing though, just to play devil's advocate. (laughs) Look at... (laughs) That's some good Prada that devil's got on right now. Oh shit, I didn't even think of it that way. I was like, That's I what I'm saying, the devil's advocate, your Miranda's advocate. Oh okay. I'm very tired. <laughs> I have so much more information to get through, guys. <laughs> um, but, you know, think of it this way. Just taking Andy's arc, for example, when she starts out, it's very clear she doesn't want to be here. Or she's exactly. here because she has to pay her rent. But as she starts to make an effort, as she starts to learn, you can see how Miranda's approach to her changes. Exactly. Which is also what Nigel said, right? Absolutely. But think of it this way. If you went into an office where the boss is horrible, but then you literally take initiative, you show them that, no, I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. And you and not only show them that you're here to do it, but you demonstrate it. Absolutely. Their approach to you changes. So there, is, yeah. there isn't... There isn't any guarantee to say that Miranda might not have treated Andy differently. Again, that doesn't excuse the way she treats others. Exactly. But like you said, she's a busy woman. She doesn't have time to molly cuddle everyone. And I mean, I feel like the the most prevalent thing in many ways is the parallels between Andy and Miranda. Yeah. And how I think Miranda sees Andy as an early Miranda. She sees the potential of where she is in Andy. And that, of course... Again, coming back to that modern girls video that mm-hmm. uh, that deconstructs um, the costume design, it shows through their clothes and it shows through the through the through the whole movie whether that is say at the the benefit, which is like Runway's version of the Met Gala, I guess, where Andy and Miranda are wearing sim very similar silhouettes, and he's wearing that gorgeous Galliano dress. Oh my god, <laughs> she looks so chic. Just in that. Andy is a little bit more covered up. She's a little bit more unsure of herself. And that's just how Patricia Fields has chosen to exemplify this um, this moment. Meryl is bare shoulders, confident. She's in the front. It's towards the end of the movie when you're really noticing the parallels and you're really noticing how similar they really are, which, I mean, not subtly Miranda points out. She says, at the time where she says, but you already... I see a great deal of you and me. Yeah, and she al- and you already oh, did oh, what oh, I did, Nigel, with me, Emily. Whatever it is, yeah. And that what they're wearing, the neckline is almost exactly the same. So mm. it's also the the depth of Andy 
without realizing it, emulating what she sees in Miranda. Yeah. And what she views in Miranda as the leader and what she sees, uh, what she is slowly becoming as she gains respect, not only for Miranda, but also gaining respect for the line of work that Miranda does. Mm. And so that's one parallel. And the last one I'm going to say before we move on, <laughs> that stupid, ridiculous animal shoot unleashed the <laughs> creature within or whatever the fuck was going on. It's which is like peak early 2000s behavior, I think. When Andy's saying my personal life is hanging by a thread, that's all. And Nigel says... Tell me when your whole life goes up in smoke, it means it's time for a promotion. It's even that, right? Like, Miranda's life, because of her dedication to her work, unbeknownst to us as a viewer, is actually going up in smoke because she yeah. is having issues with her husband. We don't know that. And, I mean, I, I feel like I'm just ranting or, like, mm. word vomiting because I don't think there's a larger point that I'm making here. But I think these parallels are worth noticing. I think it's worth noticing the influence that, the very subtle influence that Miranda has had on Andy. Yeah. Speaking of sort of influence, especially through costume, I have a bone to pick with Patricia Field because, you know, she went through the whole Sex in the City phase and then she went through Never Was Prada and then she did Emily in Paris. Emily like, Patricia, <laughs> Patricia, are you okay? Do you need Pat- something? Patricia, blink twice if you need help. <laughs> Are you okay? What the hell? Honestly, though, I can't. But before we move on to the next segment, I have to say, if you, if like us, you're as invested in the movie or you're even interested in this whole universe, <laughs> you have to check out the screenplay. You literally just Google, you know, Devil Wears Prada screenplay. 2005, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's very, it's a very interesting read. There will be moments where you're like, why wasn't this in the film? And then you will be, there will be moments where like, thank God this wasn't in the film. Yeah. But there is a very beautiful moment about, you know, you know where um, where Miranda kind of opens up to, um, uh, to Andy a little bit in Paris that, oh, I'm getting a divorce. She doesn't hmm. outright say it, but that yeah. moment together. In the screenplay, Miranda does a small monologue about the kind of person she was as a child, how she grew up, where she grew up, yeah. her influences. And I find I just want a Miranda so, biopic so I bad. I just want a Miranda biopic. I want Meryl Streep to play Miranda. I want Nigel to be in it at some point because I want to see their relationship as well. It's just a really, really nice read, especially if you're interested in this. And also, like, you know what I love? Um, I want a Miranda biopic in the way that they made a Cruella biopic. Yes. Right? Like, and of course, the Cruella, but I have my own thoughts and feelings about that and you're free to like dm me on instagram to ask about them <laughs> but but i want i want her origin story yeah and, I, and also story. because i doubt her origin story for some reason because of Meryl's portrayal of her i don't think it's the same as anna's origin story no i don't think it would be at all miranda Priestley has a much more interesting story to tell so apparently anna winter went to the first screening of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah in wearing prada wearing prada <laughs> So, see, Anna Widow does, of course, have a have a sense of humor. Like, this is she is a well British known. lady. She has a wicked sense of humor. I feel. I feel like Veer and I just need to be in the room with all of these people, and we won't, I know we won't speak because we'll just be looking at each other. Are they Emily? Are <laughs> Emily? Okay, I want to move on to some fun stuff. I just want to warn you though, and not like a scary warning, but what you do? Uh. I have prepared a small quiz for you at the end of this segment. A quiz about the Devil Wears Prada, obviously, but... Uh. 
What type of quiz? Just just like a like a fun trivia quiz. I don't like being caught off guard. I know, but why is the are fun we, if I don't uh, do that? Are we once keeping in this in the recording? Very much so. Do we have to do this? Yes, we I've spent time preparing this, okay? Uh, okay, ask me your question. Ask me your questions. Let's start with those. I don't like this. <laughs> it's not like don't stress about it. It's Why fine. won't you prepare me? Because no mentally, shut up. Just ask me your questions. Uh, you're so annoying. I feel like this is when our audience realizes the bitter married couple in yes. us. <laughs> Fuck's sake! I'm, I'm. He's so thrown off. I'm so sorry, but like I couldn't. I mean, like yeah, myself. like fair fucks to you. You uh, okay? Fuck it. Um. Wow. Drink every time I say fuck. Sorry. Coming back to normal. Can't stand you. Coming back to normal. <laughs> Tell me. We pull yourself together. We have a few questions listed down. Which is what is your favorite outfit from the movie? But I will throw a caveat your way. Mm-hmm. No, that's not even the right word. I will throw a curveball your way. What is a caveat your that's way? That's fine. I'll take both. Like, well, look at me. I edit a newsletter. Did you know? I will throw a curveball your way. Tell me your favorite outfit from the movie from Andy, Emily, and Miranda. Let's so let's go with Andy first. So I have two. One okay. is I really do like. The Chanel boots moment, just because it's such, it's a. It's iconography, moment. right? I yeah, it's iconography. I love the thigh high boots. I love the like tweedy jacket. I love it all. And you love Chanel. Yeah, I love Chanel, but I don't love the amount of like blingy bangles. But I can mm. I can look away from that. Two thousand six. The other moment is one that I wouldn't see myself wearing, but it looks so good on her, is the green jacket, the pearls, and the Jackie O glasses <gasps> in the montage. Oh my god. Oh my right? god. Oh my god. Oh my god. So that's a great one. And obviously, I love every single quote from the montage, but I do love the white one the most. Um, and with the little beret. Yeah. Oh so my sweet. god. <laughs> um, what about yours? I knew that we were... The reason I threw this curveball your way was also... Mm-hmm. Because I went through the movie that right? we both watched the movie before doing this and kept, pa- I think I kept pausing yeah. to look actually, like, take stock of the outfits so mm-hmm. that I could find, I could answer this question. In the montage, there's a moment when she's walking into the Elias Clark building and she's wearing I this gorgeous vinyl coat, this brown yes. vinyl coat. And I, oh my God, she looked. I wish I think, they would have shown that like a little bit yeah. better. And I think that's also in the part of the movie, let's say, where I think Nigel, and this is hypothetical, mm-hmm. where Nigel is dressing her in different styles to see what sticks. Yeah. Um, because obviously it becomes more yeah. nuanced uh, through the movie. But that quote, oh my God, I want that it's quote. It's such a lovely moment. So that and for Andy, I also want to say the final look where she, not the final look in New York, the final look in Paris with yeah. that like deep blue green dress. Yeah. It's just so... It's very Parisian, I have to say. It's... I mean, yeah, but it's also... Oh, my God. But you know what? I feel like that should have been an Emily in Paris look. Correct. 100%. Right? Not that stupid green Also, green like... Shorts, um, shoes, again, it's shoes so, so, so just slightly tangential, but since we're talking about Andy in Paris, I have to say this. Christian Thompson is such a piece of trash. <laughs> oh, my God. She said no Ugh, when he was kissing her. Him. When when she when he was kissing her, she said no three different times, and the man didn't listen. What the fuck? 
both of you are junk how dare you if it was me i feel like my like full delhi would have come out and i would have taken off my shoe and be like hey bhag i just have this great visual now of like veer running through the streets of paris the streets of paris with one <laughs> shoe in his hand one barefoot running up to christian thompson and just keep wapas aata main tere ko dikhata idhar aa no but for, it's like christian thompson is such a piece of i can't i think he, he is the villain of this movie fuck nate <laughs> Christian Thompson drank the punch woke up in a garbage can for wearing a punch of fuck off Christian no one cares about you <laughs> Okay what's your favorite privileged like, white outfit? piece of shit Oh god What's your favorite Emily outfit Okay the, sorry the real Emily the real Emily who deserve to be in Paris not <laughs> not this like 2019-20 fake one no and, real and man, Emily I feel, Charlton like I feel really bad for Lily Collins really yeah, like it's not Lily Collins's fault <clears> but she's like, such a fashion girl okay um Emily I want to say one of my favorites is most certainly the last look I get it's the early 2000s the that belt yeah. situation is happening I hate belts. At, I mean, I hate belts as waist cinchers. That's I think Veer also doesn't like the creative director of Dior who does that every single collection. Yeah, because it's season. stupid and basic. And I feel like if you're the creative director of Dior, maybe you should think of an inventive way of creating clothing that cinches a waist visually without having to fucking okay, do something to physically do it. We're talking about whatever. Everything. But anyway, but the last look where she's wearing. that sort of ballerina skirt that yeah. long ballerina skirt yeah. and a blazer and cinched purple mm. belt is just oof chef's kiss especially like chef's kiss for 2006 what's yours you know the sad thing is we don't end up oh well we don't, we don't know so much about paying, emily yeah. yeah we don't always end up paying so much attention to emily's outfits but i do like her outfit in the so there's two one is of course where we see her you know talk to miranda uh, no uh, Interview Andy. Emily, I think. Uh, interview Andy. She's wearing that. <laughs> oh, there's too many names. Um, where she's wearing like that sleeveless greenish top. Yeah. With the um. Green or grey? Grey. One of those. I can't remember. Oh, it one. might be green. I'm not sure. Anyway. Um, but then there's one later where she's wearing like a nice, really nice, like structured blazer mm. over like a silk top. I really like that. I love. Like, like, I fuck with that blazer. A little like A-line skirt. Yeah. Absolutely loves that. It, it yeah. It's the part where she's like, I've been manning the desk, haven't I? <laughs> that one. I was a really oh, good impression. Emily. Okay, Miranda. I have one and one only. It's the one where she comes back from Miami. She's standing in her office by the window, and she's yeah, got oh this, like all-white outfit. She's got a little like Hermesy scarf. Yeah. Like, belt. She's wearing pearls and gold. And I'm like, that is elegance personified. And apparently, like Miranda and, and Elmer's scarves were like Anna with the sunglasses, right? I believe that yeah. was the yeah. the reason they sort of went for it, despite the fact that I think the basis for like Miranda's character wasn't actually visually yeah. wasn't Anna Winter, but yeah. it was uh, I, I forget her name. No, it wasn't Anna Winter. It was the mm-hmm. editor for Bazaar in the nineties. Okay, uh, I'm sure. forgetting her name, but her. Uh, that's also where the white hair came from. My favorite Miranda outfit, just that's just so like there's so many, right? I even like the the skirt and um, jacket in the iconic like blue sweater moment. The gold blazer, piece. yeah, yeah. But it just, she just she just pulls it off. My it's this is a basic answer, but my favorite Miranda moment is the first scene when when we first see her yeah. with that velvet purple boat neck. It's just—it's so powerful, and I think it 
we like we just know on first look that like this woman is not meant to be fucked with yeah and and also because there's just so it's a very interesting look when you de- deconstruct it there's a lot of very different textures to it which is what i really like yeah which for someone who has this minimal simplistic not simplistic but minimal educated style hmm. you just know that those textures in again if melanda was a real person melanda put hmm. together those this this look with all of these five different things that should not work together but work together so wonderfully so well. it's an editorial look okay what is your favorite line from the movie oh, i hated this question i knew this was coming and i already hated okay should i tell you one of my favorite lines yeah, from andy let's go with that first it's just it's not a, like an iconic line i think it's not like mm-hmm. a moment but it's just when when christian says oh thank god i saved your job like the piece of shit that he is and she says well i did figure out a few things on my own and just that little moment is my favorite moment of andy where i feel like i lo- you learn so much about who she is as a woman yeah as a person just through that little yeah no like i'm not you're not taking credit you for this i any anyway anyway favorite line andy go <laughs> I think this is a very underrated line and I kind of it, it just kind of sets the tone for her character um is when Emily says um Andrea Prime is a fashion magazine so interest in fashion is crucial <laughs> what goes, makes you think I'm not, not interested in fashion, in fashion. <laughs> Emily's just like mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but my my favorite Airman. Emily, my favorite Emily line and I have mentioned this of course earlier in the podcast just I it just has to be I refuse to be sick. I'm very Valentino for crying out. I'm just like Emily. I understand you. I would do so much for an outfit moment. My favorite Emily line, I think, is the at the end when she's trying so hard not to break her facade, and she's going, uh, "This is a huge imposition, and I will." Uh, whatever I'll I'll have to have them taken in. I mean, they'll drown me. When <laughs> and Andy's offering her all the clothes, and Emily is like, and this is such good acting from Emily Blunt, where she is so 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 happy, yeah, and like is trying so hard to hide her smile, yeah, but she has she can't break the sort of Emily exterior, yeah. and I just like I I love that because it it just it makes me want to like. Hug her, but the thing is, if I hug her, she'll probably stab me to death. No, and then the one she says after she like she, she puts the phone down, she turns around. You have very large shoes to fill. I love that. And and I think that alone is why I think we think that Emily has a softer side. Not only has a softer side, but would nurture other people. Yeah, because she has that. She she's seeing everything that's going on. She is just not letting it on. So sorry, like Emily Stan. <laughs> We love Emily here. This is just like okay, a Miranda, space Miranda, Miranda, go. Yeah, talk about Emily Charlton. I really do like the line. That's all because it's just so like, you know, we don't have to talk about this anymore. That that's all. And I also, have to say. it's like it is dismissive, yes, but it's also okay. I have other things to do now. Yeah, that's it. Leave. <laughs> I feel like this line has aged really, really badly. My mm-hmm. favorite Miranda line, but it's also does anyone have anything else I can use? Antibacterial wipes, perhaps. Oh. Okay, final question before you throw your fucking curveball at me. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> no, semi-final question because I have one random one I'm gonna toss to you. Okay, go on. Who is your favorite character throughout the whole film? So when I started watching, of course, it used to be Andy because you know, watching her struggle and like oh my god. And also, I like I think it is a biopic question that character. we've always asked people. Yeah. Your answer has always been. Like Anne Hathaway. Oh, 
100%. In the Devil Wears Prada. In the Devil Wears Prada. In and as Andy Sachs. <laughs> um, but I just feel as I've grown, I feel like I feel like Emily would be my favorite. Emily is my favorite. Just because of her dedication to her work and like absolutely no fucks given that this is who I am, this is what yeah. I like and this is where I want to be. Like, I will do everything in my power. I'm telling you, let's just change the podcast Instagram's bio to Emily Charlton Stance. Okay, random question I want to throw at you. Andy, Emily, Miranda. Yes. If you had to identify one to two brands each, fashion houses each, with each character, what would they be? I feel like for Andy, I would pick Celine. Okay, interesting. A little bit of theory. Okay. Just because I feel like she was settling into like clean lines. The occasional, yeah. Like, like, you know, the occasional statement piece. Love and statement as we, like, we said, right? Like the sort of Miranda aesthetic, but yeah. she's figuring what but where younger. she fits into that. Yeah. What about yours? For Andy. For Andy. It's really interesting that you said Celine. Because I say Celine by Phoebe. Yes. Right, like, and yeah. I think that's what you mean as well. Yeah, yeah like yeah, not, yeah. not, not Celine by by Eddie Slimane. I feel but like, like she might pick out a few pieces. From yeah, like Slimane's Celine, but I feel like predominantly it would be Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah, yeah. So I see that, and I, I see a little bit of like, I see a little bit of like Max Mara. Oh, one hundred percent. I've worked at Max Mara, so I can tell you, but I feel like the court montage. Yeah, right? Like, and obviously, like, Chanel, I think, is the obvious answer to give. What? I'm sorry, I just kind of pictured Anne Hathaway in, like, a really nice, like, camel or dove grey teddy yeah. through the streets, the streets of New York in the middle of winter. Also, I'm, like, I'm obsessed. Chanel, I think, is a very obvious answer to give considering how much Chanel she wears but in the you movie. you know what? You know what? I feel like if we were, if we saw Andy today, if she was in the same situation, she was not at the New York Mirror or wherever she ends up, I feel like she would be someone who shops in Bestier. And she collects like... Yes. Oh my God. Or she, or she shops at run, Rent the Runway. Because yeah. she's also smart, right? She's economical. She knows how to make the best of her situation. She might have like a $99 a month Rent the Runway subscription where she gets like eight pieces a month or whatever the yeah. bundle is. But she knows that, okay, this is how I can keep up and keep my budget intact. Because yes, yeah. while you might always get pieces on loan. You don't get to keep them. So, you know what? Make the I get it. I, get, I see it. What about Emily? Um, I think, okay, Emily is actually the only one I have a very clear answer for. And I have three names in my head. Go ahead. McQueen. Yes. Vivian Westward. Vi- I think a lot of Vivian Westward. Yeah. Especially with, the, like, her, f- her the skirts that she likes. So much mm-hmm. Vivian Westward. And Rick Owens. Because I, I think Emily dresses with a hard exterior. Yeah. I would go for a little bit more polished for Emily. I hmm. would probably say, like, and stick to British brands because... Yeah, it's I not feel like, like she, she hides would... that heritage, right? Yeah, so I would go for Victoria Beckham. Mm-hmm. I knew you. I knew it. I knew you of were going to say Victoria Beckham. I would Beckham. go for Victoria Beckham. It's no surprise. Um, Victoria Beckham. Burley. Emily's probably friends with Victoria Beckham. One hundred percent. Can you tell that we really love Emily Charlton so much? Yeah, Emily. Emily probably could <laughs> okay? how. Anyway, um, Victoria Beckham, Burberry, and like a little bit of like um, some realization power. Ooh. Like, I feel like Emily would have the the wild things Naomi skirt. The yeah, you know, skirt. I can see Emily championing, like, a Richard Quinn. Yes. Or, like, a Richard Quinn or a Laquan Smith. She's not scared to be a little experimental. Yeah. Um. Okay, 
big one miranda I feel like definitely straight away I'm going for classics. I'm looking at Chanel. I'm looking at a YSL smoking suit. Yeah. I'm looking at um yes a little bit of Dior. Maybe ob- obviously not the new stuff, but I'm thinking not MGC. Not MGC. I'm thinking maybe Ralph Simmons. You know, I'm thinking Vintage Dior men. Galliano, Dior men's, yes. Yeah. Galliano's a big one. But for Miranda, I'm thinking heritage French brands. Hmm. And the and you know the occasional Burberry trench. Like I know she's already got her staples with her. I would say for Miranda. So if if I think red carpet, I also, think Miranda. Also, sorry. Side hmm? note: In my head, Miranda, like me, has a collection yeah. of white shirts. <laughs> I'm no. I think she literally just does though. Okay, when I think Miranda, I think number one. Like I would say for the red carpet, she would definitely wear something like a Christopher John Rogers, hmm. which like so. I think it's so culturally relevant right now, but like I think Miranda today would be the person who wears like a Christopher John Rogers gown to a red carpet event and gives him those eye those eyeballs. I would say honestly, the I think the brand that I associate the most would be the Rowe. Yes! Oh my god! How did I forget about them? I see Miranda just wearing really understated, polished, incredible pieces from the Rowe. We, we I think we just have reached a point. In I think we've broken each other. In our lives, where we need to make this happen one way or another. I don't know if we find Meryl Streep and make this happen. I don't care. It just you realize if we find Meryl Streep, we might faint. We will get up after that and ask her to do this because I feel like this just needs to be a visual outside my brain. Yeah. Wow. I'm like so close to like writing Miranda Priestly and Emily Charlton fan fiction. It's not even funny. Um, can I be a part of it, or can I like proofread it for you? <laughs> can I have can a character? <laughs> okay, okay. Let's get to your fucking quiz. Okay, let's start easy. I don't like it. Okay, shut up. Let's start easy. Complete dialogue. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have some prior commitment? Some hideous skirt convention to go to. <laughs> what story does Emily say Miranda killed? I want to say autumn jackets. We are good at this. I don't know why oh, I'm worried. God. <laughs> okay, on Andy's official day at runway, I'll set mm-hmm. the scene for you. Official day, first day, what? Official first day at runway. Okay, 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 okay. Yep. okay. Let me set the scene for you a little bit. There you are, Emily. How many times do you have to scream your name? You know the one. Actually, my name is Andy. Andrea, but everyone calls me Andy. <laughs> Sorry, was that your question? Can you name three tasks? Miranda rattles off Andy. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Scott's from Calvin Klein is the obvious one. Um, did you, I want to say, did you call something about Massimo? No. Am I wrong? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's uh, Call de Marchelier. That's the second. Yeah, okay. You've got one. And the, I hate to say this, but there was something about a pony. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. So there's, we need Scott from Calvin Klein. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't get this. Uh, did Demarchelier confirm? So close There's enough. also something about a location, right? There's uh, something about... Uh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my Should god, oh my god. Him? Yeah. Okay, so you were right about the pony as well. So remind Jocelyn I need to see a few of those satchels that Mark is doing in the pony. Mark, and then, yeah. And then make sure we have PI 59 at 8 a.m. tomorrow. PA, oh fucking fuck. And then... Tell Simone I'll take Jackie if Maggie isn't available. I hate this. I hate it. You know, my I but feel you're like doing I'm well. 
I feel like I'm failing my mother who gets annoyed at me when I recite the dialogues of this movie when we're watching it. I'm sorry, mom. Okay. If one nod is good and two nods is very good. Very good. What is a passing of the lips? Catastrophe. And there's only one. Wait, wait. I I have a question. No, What was the one smile recorded? Okay, sorry. Okay, fine. You've got it. Tom Ford in 2001? Yep, that's the one. Oh, thank God. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Look at me taking over this quiz. Um, <laughs> You're so where, nervous. <laughs> where was Andy supposed to leave the book? Uh, on the table with flowers. <laughs> you know, acing this, I'm actually quite proud because I was worried you might not get any of these. Which of the following is not a task Miranda asks Andy to complete? I'm going to give you four options. Okay. Pick up Polaroids from the lingerie shoot. Okay. Check the brakes on her car. Okay. Get flip flops for her twins. Okay. And collect her shoes from Manolo Blanik. Collect her shoes from Manolo Blanik. Incorrect, because Miranda. Boogie boards. Nope. No. Miranda doesn't ask Andy to collect the t- flip flops for her twins. It's Emily who phones her up and says the twins need the boogie twins. boards or flip flops or something for spring break, and and Andy's walking with those boogie boards. And, and she and she shifts. No, because that's the scene I was thinking of. Okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. When when um, did the Manolo Blahnik thing happen? In, it's in the list. It's, it's in, in the, the, list, mo- in the montage, montage. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Which flowers? Final question. Which flowers does Miranda tell Andy she'd be Freezers. really disappointed? Why am I fi- why am I not let- being allowed to finish my questions? Freezers. If I see freezers, I will be anyway, very disappointed. disappointed. <laughs> you did so well. I don't know why you were worried. I was so nervous. Oh my god! <laughs> I can see the relief on these things. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, Sam, final thoughts. I feel like people already know how obsessed both you and I are with this movie, but this is the first time we've I think this is the first time we've sat down, gone through it bit by bit, really talked about what we what we enjoy so much about this movie. What I really want is, and I think I mentioned this at the top of the episode, I'm not sure, but what I really want is another fashion movie, but in 2021. We haven't gotten one like this for the last 15 years. We, I Like, I need another fashion movie that yeah. captures where fashion is right now. I wonder if we would get something to do with the shift at Condé Nast in the last year. That, yeah. I feel like that would actually make a really good documentary. I mean, I don't think they would make a documentary out of it. I mean, they, Condé Nast won't make a documentary about anything that doesn't benefit them. That's yeah, besides so the point. Yeah, so let's just assume some filmmaker out there is like being adventurous. Is anyone writing fashion books, like fashion fiction? Like, yeah, how about this? This time, instead of us giving you fashion recommendations, why don't you tell us some fashion recommendations in the review section? Oh, ho, ho. you know what I really want to do? An what? audience member, do not steal this idea. I'm watching you. We stop frightening our audience. No. <laughs> no, shan't. I want to make a graphic novel that is a fashion graphic novel. Can I proofread this as well? You want to be a character? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Tuesday Wine Club. I think as is evident by the episode, Sam and I had a really, really, really good time recording it. 
don't forget to follow us on at the Tuesday Wine Club on Instagram for updates, sneak peeks. Sam and my handles are there, so like we love we love the engagement. Just follow us as well, like please. All of that being said, this week was our second to last episode of season one. Please don't forget to tune in next week for our finale. We have a killer guest that we can't wait to share with all of you. It's gonna be great. Honestly, see you there. Bye. See you. Have a good week.